Let's talk football. Spring football is going on. And next Tuesday, Georgia's spring football will start. Let's talk with that about that and the Falcons, the NFL free agency that's coming up with Brent Rollins from both UGASports.com and Pro Football Focus. But I tell you, this this is just a fun time of the year, Brent, with college football getting going again. We're starting to see some spring practices start around the southeast. And, man, it's going to be a bonanza. And I always love to get the word bonanza involved in the show. Next Wednesday when free agency starts, won't it? Yeah, I think, and I think the NFL and with recent sort of quarterback movement has yeah. kind of now – trumped what used to, like the NBA used to own free agency or the Major League Baseball hot stove. I think the NFL now with as much quarterback movement as you have these days has kind of trumped that with what they have. I agree. Well, Russ and I were saying that that same thing, that it's like the quarterback movement helps when there is an offseason with a lot of quarterback movement. It seems to help the, just the interest and, of course, you – uh, have an older player like Aaron Aaron Rodgers involved. That's going to help too. All right, let, let's talk a, a little bit about Georgia's spring practice since he'll start. But before we talk to you the next time, um, obviously Kirby Smart has some different things to worry about or be concerned about or think about as he go in goes into the spring practice. One of his players was killed, so that is something that you know is going to have to be dealt with as far as how these players. Uh, take that field next Tuesday and do not have Devin Willick out there. But from a football standpoint, Brent, when when you look at this depth chart, there, there are going to be positions that are, we're going to be curious about to see all right, who's going to win this job, that job, so forth and so on. Does Kirby have anything to worry about, though? Uh, health. Yeah. Like, that, it's, it's, like that's always – it's much like Major League Baseball spring training. Just get to the – Get to the finish line, or the starting point, actually. Get to the starting line healthy. Like, I would, like, hey, Brock Bowers, you know, go on the side and ride the bike all spring. <laughs> you know, a lot of these guys that, like, you just, you know what you have. You don't need to see them in reps and in live, you know, what they do. But that's not how they roll. And they're going to be physical, and they're going to practice physical. And, you know, We'll see. But, hey, if Brock, if you happen to you know, tweak the ankle a little bit, especially early in the spring, let's just let's shut her down and take it easy for the rest of it. So when, when you're looking at a quarterback competition, what do you think he's going to be watching for, he and Mike Bobo, together this in, in the next month? Mental. Everything mental. Mental from a understanding of the playbook, command of the huddle, Leadership, everything ancillary to me to, to actually throwing the football or, you know, the, the act of doing those things. It's who's going to be the leader, who's going to be you – know, who is the guy that the team responds to the most, who's the person that can control the line of scrimmage the most, and understanding of the playbook and putting the football in the – at least from a decision-making standpoint, I think that's all that matters. So, what have you heard about how these three candidates, Beck, Vandegrift, and Stockton, possibly can handle that? A clean slate. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, it's quarterback and you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder oftentimes, with, especially with that position, but in all of athletics, really. But 
having that clean slate, I think, is a big deal for all of it because versus you know the natural pecking order that existed with the previous coordinator, you know now that a new person is making that decision. There's a new energy to it, and I think it gives them all a chance. Every you know, all three of them. I'll tell you, when you say that, the first thing that came to my mind is thank God Cedric Van Pran came back. I mean, that, that's got to be a stabilizing presence that will help whoever wins that job, right? Very much so. I mean, it's a, sta- it's a stabilizing presence for the entirety of the offense. Right. Yeah, I mean, if, if they had had to, sure. to get a and new... smart player. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> sorry. We... Go ahead. You, you just dipped out a minute. I'm sorry, Brent. Brent, go ahead. I have a no, having a known leader and a known player at that position... It's just key for your offense. No question. If they would have had to break in a new center and a new quarterback, I think I would have been more worried about anything than, than even Kirby and, and Mike Bobo. Well, it's going to be fun. I, I think just the stuff we're going to hear about about the quarterbacks, I mean, it's been a, been a while since we've had this kind of competition. I, I want to go back to 2015 when – we didn't know what the heck Mark Rick was going to do with Bryce Ramsey and Faton Bauda and Grayson Lambert. I mean, I don't know how much of a competition it was. It wasn't the best talents in the world, but that was no. kind of like this where it was three players. That's That's been eight years. That's a, that's a while since we've had this kind of situation. So it's, it's going to be kind of fun to watch how these guys battle it out, won't it? Oh, definitely. And, and the biggest thing is, how much do you hear the breadcrumbs of the younger two, you know, impressing or looking good or yeah. you know, if that, you know, the elusiveness or the mobility of the younger two resonating with the team? Like, it'll be interesting to hear the breadcrumbs from all the, the, the talk around camp. No question. No question. Brent Rollins, our guest, UGASports.com and Pro Football Focus. All right, let, let's. Um, Let's talk a bit about the Falcons now, and I know you know what's going on with them. You know their situation. You know their cap room. Uh, you, you've seen some of the names that have been linked to them. You know some of the, the bigger name free agents that are out there. If Brent Rollins were in charge of this franchise, how would you allocate the money that they have under the cap to improve this roster? I, I do think whatever you're going to need one or two edge guys – in addition to whatever it is that you do in the draft. And, you know, Yannick Ngakwe, that sort of mold where you can – and I, the beautiful part about the cap situation that they're in is I think they're in a great spot to go and give big money contracts for like two years. You know, hey, come here on a two-year $30 million deal, two years and 40, or, you know, in certain positions. Mm-hmm. And being able to sort of reset that cap consistently – I also think because of the way the cap itself is just increasing year over year, it allows for you to, especially with where they are with the quarterback, with what they have to, with what they're paying a quarterback. If if it is Desmond and you know maybe somebody that they draft and they're rolling with Desmond Ritter, like they just have ample amounts of space to do what they want to. So to me, it's if you have to go a little bit, and you're going to overpay in free agency. That's the thing. You're just going to overpay. But just don't do it on four-year deals. Don't do it on five-year deals. Go, go. Just you know, if you got to pay three or four million dollars extra on a two-year deal, do it. 
do they need a you mentioned uh yannick um who has bounced around it's ridiculous how how much he's bounced around for some reason he was with jacksonville and he's been all over the damn place uh he's 28 do you think they need that veteran to come in i i said the other day you may have seen it on twitter uh, that that I thought they needed to do what the Falcons did about 25 years ago when they brought in Cornelius Bennett, who had had a great run eight years or so with Buffalo and uh, was still very effective when he got to Atlanta. He was just an, an older player. Do you think combining that type of player with Grady Jarrett would help? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's like Hargrave. Hargrave is, I think, 30. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's some, like, and go big. Go big for two-year two year deal, one two-year deal with that. As long as the, and if the player accepts it, boom. I, I think they should go with that. Uh, the other thing that will be interesting for free agent with, see with me with them is do they add some form of depth at the receiver position? Because to me, this is not this is a solid draft for receivers in the middle rounds, but not there's just not the depth at the position. So do you go and add uh, depth at that position in free agency? Speaking of, of receivers, uh, we, we were talking a little bit about Darnell Washington, and I, I wanted to ask you, obviously, about your thoughts of what Darnell did in Indianapolis, which uh, it's a, it was un- unbelievable to watch him. Well, not very unbelievable because we've seen him for the last three years. Would, would the Falcons or the Jaguars with Evan Ingram or, or Kelsey in Kansas City, San Francisco with Kittle, would it almost be better for a team that has a good tight end already – to draft Darnell Washington to try to almost copy what has been done in, in Athens the last two years? Would that be a, a good thing for a team to do, in your opinion? 1,000%. Hmm. If you look at the teams, I think I put it on Twitter the other day, there are like five or six teams that are in the top ten in terms of already, already in the mm-hmm. top ten in terms of 12 personnel usage, so two tight ends on the field. That that can only enhance that package. And you mentioned Kittle and and what Shanahan does there. He uses the you know use check a lot in that role as well. But you give Shanahan somebody like that, the stuff he's going to be able to do like that offense already, it's just it becomes even more of a nightmare. Now they they have so many playmakers, but you know, Kansas City to me, I really think that's a spot for Darnell at thirty one that he can be just enhance what it is that they do because Kelsey in a way functions as a slot receiver for them already so you know knowing that they don't necessarily have the deep ball with Tyreek not there and that they didn't really function that way maybe to balance them out themselves out a little more Kansas yeah. City is a very intriguing option for Darnell for me so if if you're Terry Fontenot do you try to get into the 20s do you try to trade up or or, may, or would you consider him at eight uh, definitely not at eight. Like the the value, you you can't. That's a non-premium position. At eight, yeah. you have to draft premium position: edge, tackle, corner. Like if you're, or you know, a quarterback. Like those, one of those four spots at eight is where it has to be, just because of the value that that position that high in the draft. Yeah. Uh, it, at forty, I think it's forty-four is the next one the Falcon have, yeah. Falcons have. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a like. Don't forget that as much as we talk about. Darnell, and we we love what Darnell does. Like it's tight end is just not viewed that way. Now I think because you're going to have such a run on corners, I think you could actually see him push down a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, I, I don't think he's making it to 44. But I wouldn't trade up at all. Like, to me, if anything, I'm, I'm moving back from eight if the person that I want or is not there at eight. Well, and I, I, I don't, wouldn't be opposed to that because I think they could get maybe two good players uh, from, you know, 12 to 32. Uh, and if they did move down a lot, they, they, they haven't done that a whole lot in their history. I mean, Fontenot's only been there two years, but but I, I definitely understand what, what you're saying there. Um, I, I just think he's going to be fun to watch to see how how teams look at him, especially after what he did in Indianapolis the other day, Brent, because that was he put on a show. Yeah, and I think the only, the thing, if he ends up in the 40s and he's around where the available at 44, I think probably the issue there would be the fact that he's missed part of the two the first two years yeah. with the foot issues. Like, that might get it to where teams are like, okay, I'm not going to spend a first-round pick on a guy who has had one of three seasons where he's been completely healthy. Right, right. Brent Rollins. Side is an issue already. Sure, sure. Brent Rollins, our guest, UGASports.com, pro football focus. So um, we we know A.J. Terrell has established himself on on the Falcons' uh, defense. We know that Grady Jarrett is up front there. They seem to be somewhat happy with their linebackers if they can get – uh, the Rashawn Jones kid back. So uh, you, you mentioned Edge, and I, I think uh, even with Lorenzo Carter coming back, and, and you know, we, we've seen mock drafts where, uh, heck, we saw one yesterday, Nolan Smith even at number eight. Um, and and I, we've already come to the conclusion they're going to sign that Bates kid for, for safety. But, but what would be better, in your opinion, for this defense, a compliment to – to Terrell there at corner or, or just keep on getting some kind of pass rush there up front? I, I tend to lean corner in those instances when you mm-hmm. don't have a, a guy that you know is going to consistently win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there's not a Chase Young you know, or a Bosa that, that's just head and shoulders a, a better than everyone. There, there's, there's a lot of edges in this class. It's a very deep edge class. But it's not the guy that is just sort of head and shoulders, hey, this is a definitive top ten pick no matter what. Even Nolan. Nolan, to me, is going to be more of a hybrid outside backer, edge type guy that's going to play in certain defenses and fit in certain defenses more so than maybe what the Falcons do. The thing with the Falcons and the new defensive coordinator, they, with historically with the Saints, they want bigger edges. You know, They want you know Cam Jordan, Davenport, all these guys. Those are 6'5", 280, 6'5", 270 bigger edges so you know Wilson from Texas Tech kind of fits that mold mm-hmm. but he's only sort of been measured at the combine it didn't really necessarily work out and I think he could definitely be there and, and possibly be the pick at eight but I tend to lean corner just because to me you can never have too many corners not in today's NFL and you can hopefully scheme pass rush you can't like if you have corners that can't cover you're going to get eaten alive very quickly no matter how great your pass rush is because Offenses will find that weak corner and figure out a way to get that person on an island and attack very quickly. Do you like the kid from Oregon then? He's one, yes, very much so. Uh, he's a little bit, uh, depending upon how much, and one thing I don't know from the, the Saints' perspective, how much sort of true man versus more zone concepts do they, they do. I think they're more of, of a man team, and Gonzalez kind of fits that mold. Witherspoon mm-hmm. from Illinois fits that mold more so. Uh, Porter to me, Porter. Porter from 
Penn State. He's more going to be like a Seahawks cover three, his own corner. I think Keeley's going to be one who in the NFL fits that mold a little more so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would probably think that Gonzalez is the one that would be picked if he was the one at eight, yes. So if you had Christian Gonzalez on the board or if you had your choice of Broderick Jones and uh, Peter Skaronsky or Paris, I think Paris is dropping a little bit, but let, let's just say Skaronsky or Broderick or the corner, which one would you prefer there at eight for Atlanta? Uh, tackle. Okay. I, I think, and the reason I say that is because of no matter what you do at QB, you need to help your QB. Right. And if it is if it is going to be Desmond Ritter, I you need to give him as many resources as possible. You know, given the fact that they didn't tag McGarry, potentially is he potentially if he goes you know, if he's out the door, then I, I think it's definitely I would prefer the tackle at eight uh, more so than the corner. Do you think Broderick at eight would be good? Yes, I do. I very much do. And and sadly, a lot of it was just based on how he measured at the combine. Yeah. Georgia had him listed at six four, and then he measures at six five and like almost a half. Like now you're talking about prototypical size. You know, when you're six four, someone might say, "Hey, we didn't move you in the guard." In the guard, it's kind of why that conversation happens around Skaronsky because of mm-hmm. height, height, and arm length. But Broderick passed all, checked all those boxes, and he's already a freak of an athlete. So, and also, and he's he's played left tackle, thus can be that eventual guy that maybe you know, plugs and plays two, three years, three years down the road if, when Jake moves on. See, again, that's just going to be so interesting to me of how they juggle free agency and the draft because Brent, uh, I, I mean, they they need a guard. Elijah Wilkinson is not, I don't think, the answer at that left guard spot. They've got the right guard, obviously, with Lindstrom. They seem to be okay with Dalman, but. The uncertainty about McGarry and the, the knowledge that they've got to have a guard, I mean, that's what makes me wonder kind of about Skaronsky, uh, even if they were to get a free agent like a McGlinchey or an Orlando Brown next week in free agency, they're still going to need another one. And uh, and then you wonder, you know, how much they think, what what's the shelf life for Jake Matthews at this point? Yeah, I think you're going to uh, – the draft and the depth of the draft, the depth of the draft this year – is edge and, and corner primarily. Mm-hmm. And then you know, the QB is just at the top. But running backs, great depth at running back in this class. Uh, but it's a little bit of tackle, but not great after the first three or four. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I think how they, view, how they attack free agency will also, it, they just go hand in hand. And if they go, I think they're going to go defense heavy in free agency and offense heavy in the draft particularly. Uh-huh. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. I agree. I mean, and look, if they get Javon Hargrave or even the Davenport kid from New Orleans to go up front and Jesse Bates in free agency to help that secondary and then can decide between those offensive linemen, Skronsky or, or Broderick in the first round, I mean, that, that that's adding a lot of talent in the areas they need it, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's, and I think maybe we've talked about it before, but you know, if you're going to have to spend a lot of money and your cap's going to be allocated in certain, you know, these certain years, these next couple years, go spend money on the side of the ball where you need to find players who are going to come in and not be replacement, that you know what you're getting. You know, yeah. kind of the way get know what you're getting and let the growth happen where you have youth, which is on offense. Right, right. 
Well, and, and do you agree that pairing a veteran with Grady Jarrett up front, regardless of what Nielsen decides to do, could be very valuable to this team? I mean, pairing anything with Grady Jarrett. Because <laughs> can we team anybody who's made plays beside of Grady in the past five years? I don't know that we can. I know. I mean, that, and, and you know, I, I still think that when he kind of lost it there at the end of the year, when he said he was sick of the losing, he was it was almost a cry for help, Brent. He needs help up there because he just gets double teamed so damn much. Yeah, and, and this is the guy who, you know, talk about the, how the team has gone, and then his performance hasn't really dipped much. Yeah. Like, it's very minimal, and he's no. still giving you big-time effort and big-time production. Absolutely. No doubt. I, I just, you know, D. Orlando Ledbetter mentioned Hargrove today. That excited the hell out of me because we all saw what he did with Philadelphia, leading them to the Super Bowl, and, and the thought of that kind of player who who uh, had 11 sacks to go with Grady Jarrett up front. I mean, that you know, that, that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with what we were talking about with, okay, what if Jalen Carter was there or somehow the Falcons, you know, last week when we talked to you, of course, it, it was if they would move up. And now possibility exists, of course, because of the situation of Jalen being there, who knows. But just that kind of think- presence, that kind of uh, physicality up front with Grady Jarrett is hard to hard to ignore and hard to not be tempted by. Yeah, you got. I mean, you just got to get better. You got to get better at every level on your defense. And I think that's that's you got the money. Go put the known quantities into that, unless you want to go offensive line because you're losing one. Yep. Yep. Great stuff, Brent Rollins. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. We will, uh, boy, it'll be a fun time next Wednesday at 4 o'clock. We, we, <laughs> yes, we, we may be watching Twitter and interrupting our questions to see what the heck happens. Should be fun, though. Thank you, Brent. You're very welcome. Take it easy, Bill.